Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Welcome 
Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's postpartum story is with Chelsea Wiley. Chelsea had a fast and furious first birth, followed by a postpartum period that left her feeling overwhelmed, isolated, and unprepared for being a parent. After realizing that she was the one that needed mothering, she prepared differently during her second pregnancy by using traditional Ayurvedic tools that helped her slow down, improved her postpartum experience and recovery, and frankly, changed the course of her life. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thanks again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, then do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Also, share it with your friends. Share it with pregnant people in the street. <laughs> Maybe not that, but anyone you think should listen to this podcast, share it with them so we get it even in front of more people. Don't keep it to yourself. All right. I've got the very passionate Chelsea Wiley here on the show today to share her postpartum stories and even share how these stories, how these experiences literally set her on a new life path. Chelsea, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, so good. Because uh, this is something that doesn't get told very often. And from the little things you told me when you contacted and reached out, you did things the second time around quite differently from the first time around. So I'm excited to get to that. Why don't you first tell us a, a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. So I have two children. We live, we live, we lived in California and that's where both of my babies were born. Um, and then we recently actually moved over to Ireland and now we're kind of an expat family and we travel and I travel with my kids and I was working as a nurse previously in labor and delivery and then as a nurse practitioner. And right now I'm just writing and spending a lot of time with my families. So that's kind of what I'm doing with my life right now. Mm, that sounds fascinating. I want to like go travel with you. <laughs> oh, it's fine. We take we take them. Um, I just like get them on an airplane and we've got it down because in Europe it's so easy to get around. And so and now they're at that age. I could have never done this postpartum ever, ever, ever. So any moms listening right now, if you are just having a baby, it takes so much time to even get it on an airplane. So we're just in that phase that they're right in preschool and it's a little easier mm -hmm. than it would have been. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, well, how old are they? So my older one is about four and my younger one is about two and a half now. So I had my first baby and... I got pregnant at nine months and I, and I was told by so many people, oh, you're going to have twins or you're going to have another baby. They're going to come really close together. And I, I, I didn't believe it, but I got, I mean, I had one period between my babies and I got pregnant again, but I'm so glad I did that. I wish I would have new, you know, did a bit of more nutrient boosting in between to help my body, but it's really nice now to have them close. So if anyone's listening and you have your baby super close together and you're postpartum, oh my gosh, it was super hard for a really long time. And then it just kind of changes. And that, you know, that moment when your kids like they're a little older, I don't know if you've had that and, or, you know, all guests you've had on, but there's a moment in time that it's just like, oh, it's better now. It's easier. And so we're able to do a little bit more. And that's oh, really fun. Yeah. And my daughter's 13. So I get to do lots more now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. They're getting so fun. Like you can, you take them to all these activities, and they're talking, and and you know, they. I just, I love it now. I I didn't like. I and some moms love the postpartum experience, and I have to tell you, I have to be honest. I I had a hard time, especially with my first baby. It wasn't. 
it wasn't the easiest for me. And, and so, and, and there's so many things on social media of like, this is going to be the best moment of your life. This is going to be so, you know, so hard. But I went from, you know, being really, really independent and my own career. And then I felt kind of isolated and I felt really, really, you know, alone after having my first baby. And I want other women to know that if you're feeling that way, it's not unusual. There's other women out there that feel that way. And it's just the society, you know, I remember calling my friend after I had my older child saying, why didn't you tell me how hard this would be? Like, why didn't you warn me that I would like so many things would change? I had no idea my hormones would change or, you know, and it makes me like, I'm remembering it. It makes me kind of emotional because I wish I would have been more prepared. And I wish somebody would have said, these are all the great things you can do to make the event better, right? I mean, did you, what do you think about postpartum? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, so I do postpartum preparation classes as well. And I feel that the baby care part, that's the easy, that you'll figure out. Changing a diaper, no, you know, bathing a baby, you'll figure that out and you'll tune into your baby. I feel that just as hard is trying to figure out your new identity as a mom and how that shakes you, who you are. Like you're not just you individual now, super independent, but now you are dependent on 24 seven. Your body's still kind of hijacked because you're overtouched. And and mom has always been your mom. And now that's you. And how do you integrate that to yourself and what it means? Like, yeah, it is so incredibly hard. It, yeah, unbe- unbelievably, because especially, especially because I work with a lot of women now that are going through this. And it's especially if you were super independent. And I mean, I was like I had degrees. I was working. I was happy. I was living in San Francisco. I was having a good time. And and and. And it's like, you naturally know how to take care of the baby. The baby's going to survive. I mean, you can do it better, of course, and you'll learn after each baby, but it's you, it's you that needs the mothering. And that's what I learned. I know it sounds nutty, but the postpartum experience is about the mom. And when the mom is happy, the baby's happy. And it's all, if you can set it up, I wish I'm telling anyone listening now, if you can set it up differently where you, it's all about kind of you and your happiness and the way your energy is running, then the baby's going to be taken care of like 20 times better. Mm. Do you agree with, I mean, that's I, absolutely. My I absolutely agree. So let's take you back to that independent person that just had a baby and was, had been a nurse and labor and delivery nurse for a while and nurse practitioner and had, you know, vast knowledge of working with babies and just had your own. How, how was that first postpartum experience? What were your feeling? What was the hardest? Yeah. So to understand that, you kind of have to understand a little bit about my backgrounds. Um, I was working at a really top medical center in the United States and I worked in labor and delivery and postpartum and antepartum. And I also went to study with Ina Mae Gaskin at the farm. And if anyone hasn't read her book, Spiritual Midwifery and Birth Matters are awesome texts to read later um, for your to, to plan for your birth, not necessarily the postpartum part. But so I, I, I had trained moms, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the hospital room and I'm, you know, teaching them how to breastfeed. I, I was really good at it, like really good working with my patients. I did something different after sitting with Ina Megaskin. I decided to have a home birth despite, you know, everyone in the hospital saying you're crazy. That's nuts. It was the experience I wanted to have. And we did it. We did it in this little San Francisco apartment. So imagine this is the setting. We're in the middle of San Francisco. 
and there's a little back house and I had one of those like screaming labors and I, I can't believe like somebody didn't come and knock and ask what was going on, but we made it through the night and I, and I had a very fast labor. I didn't even get into the tub. Like I wanted to, you know, the whole thing, the baby came and then I, but the pain afterwards, I can't even, I mean, for the first baby, I had a lot of physical pain because I really clenched my body up during the labor. I wasn't able to relax. Like I wish I would have. I had the midwives there and I also had a doula. So this is now we're postpartum and the baby's born. And I, so basically I didn't get sewn. So I couldn't really walk because I, I didn't want to be sewn. I was so sore and I hadn't had an epidural and I just couldn't have imagined someone else touching me down there. I just was like, you cannot touch me. So I, because of that my choice on that, and it was okay because it healed perfectly. Um, I couldn't really walk the stairs or do a lot of movement. They said I had to keep my legs really close together. And just a side note, it doesn't matter, but you know, it changes your postpartum experience if you can't really move. And I, I, I really didn't set up enough care afterwards. So I had everything for the baby like you would always plan. But my mother-in-law came for a week and then my mom wasn't able to come because she was working and my husband went back to work. And I felt so isolated. And I didn't have postpartum depression. I didn't suffer from that as far as I know that I'm aware of. But I just felt like completely shocked because then there's this baby that um, you're with and you have to take care of it, but it, you have no idea how, you, I mean, anyone who has babies, you now know, but you're up all night long, you're breastfeeding and it's like the, the, the level of energy you're giving, there's so much energy and you're, I was so sensitive. I don't know about you. I'm sure you, I'm, you remember like after the baby, but like my, it felt like my field, I could, I mean, I was almost clair, clairvoyant. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean by, has any mom said that to you? Like, you're so sensitive to all energy around you. I haven't had anybody specifically tell me that, but I, you know, obviously all the feelings are are valid. I had the different thing. I was just struggling with my trying to get checklists done and feeling like I wasn't getting anything done and it was, and I didn't know what to do. And it was, I just felt lost was my experience. Exactly. It's the list. It's like that first birth, you think you can go on and doing it the way you were. So, and that's what you, you guys, if anyone listening, you can't, you need to just give it away, especially for that, like 40 days after the baby. It's, it's like your mind starts to run really, really, really quickly. At least that's what happened to me. And I'm like, Oh, I got to go to the grocery store. Oh, I got to go. I got to go to yoga. I got, and then also like, I've got to work out again, or I've got to lose this weight. I mean, these thoughts, because you're just alone with the baby. I'd like, you know, you're, and you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be. And so, but it's like, you need to designate, let go. It's so, it's, I mean, the whole process of having a baby is letting, I felt like the whole process of birth is huge of letting go. It's, it was very spiritual for me, like letting go of the job or letting go of, you know, this or that, but also like the thoughts of everything you think you have to do, which you really don't because a baby in my experience was sort of like having a company or a creating a, a big company. I mean, you have to kind of think of it the same way, right? Yeah. Um, and I think a big part of it, the more I, I like I've been thinking about it is, the, we have a very 
achievement-centered culture that wants the skills that we're struggling to master since we're itty-bitty is like organization, memorization, you know, being like a superwoman, having it all, going fast, being effective, being efficient, achieving things, getting it done. Go, Yeah, all of these punctual, being on time. And none of those skills are the skills you need for birth and postpartum? No. They're, it's like you need to go back to tribal days. That's like that for me, I mean, or closer to that, that slow time. I mean, imagine it's like, to me, it's like, a, you know, a woman who would take, you know, seven months to just weave a, weave a piece, a blanket, like in the olden days, just weaving a blanket. And that's all she would do all day. And it's like, that's what postpartum feels like a healthy postpartum. It's just, it's in the moment of, and it's almost still matching the energy of the baby and being present with those emotions like the baby it's like your emotions are almost as fragile as the child's like baby cries you cry baby sleeps you sleep baby eats you eat and and that's what it needs to be and then what so it's like you need to sort of for a good a, a better postpartum experience at least I'll explain my second one later but it's it's kind of slowing down before you have the baby in your mindset. If you have to continue working, it's like making changes. Maybe you don't go to the grocery store. Maybe you let, maybe you hire somebody. Maybe you ask your mom to go. Maybe, you know, you set it up in a way that you're just start to let go of tasks before you have the baby so that when you have it, you're prepared for that space and for that timelessness. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, I want to hear more about this first story and how did you breastfeed? Oh, yeah. I'll tell okay. you all about it. Yeah, we'll be right back. In our house, we are big on hydrating. Aside from all the important health benefits, I find that if I'm not well hydrated, I get these brutal headaches. So it's really important for me to hydrate. However, I do not like the taste of tap water and I cannot bring myself to buy bottled water because of all the plastic waste. So for years, we did pitcher filters, but then we switched to AquaTrue water purifiers. And after tasting the deliciousness of their truly clean water, we are never going back. What makes AquaTrue so unique is that they use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. This process removes 15% more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, also known as forever chemicals, that are found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. You can also forget about having to change filters every two to three months because AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years. Now, if plastic bottles are your thing, just one set of filters from AquaTrue's classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code BIRTHFUL at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code B-I-R-T-H-F-U-L. And we're back talking with Chelsea Wiley about her postpartum experiences. So 
how did breastfeeding go in for that first baby? You know, it, it, I, I, that was the one thing that did go really well because I did something, I don't know if every mom does it, but I kept my baby really close to me. I, I had, I let, cause we did the home birth and the home birth midwives. That's one thing I didn't actually include is the first birth and the second birth were home births, but with a home birth, the midwives come to your house postpartum. So that was a cool benefit. And I actually didn't go to the pediatrician until six weeks out, but I, I also knew, you know, what, how to assess a really healthy baby. But they came and did my pediatrician visits, and that was approved by my pediatrician um, because they knew each other. And so she also helped me with my um, breastfeeding. So I had, you know, the midwives, it's a part of the package when you have a home birth that they usually, they come to your house and they do about six visits to eight visits. And so I was constantly getting that care from the midwives, and it was really nice to look forward to them to come and just to make sure I was doing everything right. Um, and if you need help with breastfeeding and you don't have somebody like that, you, people can come to your house and, and help you. So for sure, ask about it. But for me, I, I kept the baby really close at night. I had a side sleeper and it it was life changing. I, if, I mean, a lot of people separate from their babies. I, for me, it was so much easier on me and the baby cause I would just roll over and feed the baby, um, and then I began to pump to save milk and I, that was really helpful. So when I was able to go to the gym or wanted to run errands like eight weeks out, I, I pumped every morning cause I had learned this obviously from teaching my patients. I pumped in the morning cause that's like, I, I did a uh, early, I get up really early. I remember I got up really early before the baby, about an hour before the first feeding and I would pump. And then after about a few days, my, my breasts, uh, got used to that, making that extra bottle. And so I saved up a lot of milk so that when I wanted to go to the gym or I wanted to run errands later, that the baby got used to a bottle of my breast milk later. And I, it was really helpful. Hmm. And how was the sleeping part? Did you prioritize it during your days or where was this drive to do lists and get things done and go places interfering with that? Um, I can't, re I remember I, I would, I would, I, I couldn't walk over. I couldn't. So the, what, what hindered me from actually leaving, it was more in my mind is I, I never got this, my tear sewn. So I was actually like forced to lay down and keep my, you know, to, I wanted my, and it did come back perfectly. I, cause there are studies that show, you know, if you don't get it, I didn't have a big tear. So if you don't get it sewn, it will come back fine. So, but I really wanted to protect that area. And, um, so I didn't, wasn't even able to do a lot of walking, especially on stairs. I can't, I can't remember, but at least for three to four weeks. So I was kind of forced to do minimum activity. It was more in my head of all the activities I had to do. Um, so I did rest and I did do, um, I did do mini walks, but nothing like big. And so that was important, but the, the having the baby close to me at night made it so much easier easier for me personally, because I would just roll over, I would attach the baby, and then I would put the baby back. And we both slept so much better. I wasn't as tired, I think, as I've heard other moms who put a baby in another room. Yeah, and it also depends on on how both things like keeping baby close is good. Totally for dependent baby, on the mom, but yeah. and the baby too, because you get some babies are fussier than others. But either whichever, no, regardless of what baby you have, like having baby close by is going to improve whatever situation you're at. Right. Yeah. Totally. 
So what, um, as you went through that experience and, you know, maybe three months out, six months out, well, you were pregnant again, right? I was. I was. Um, I... I, what I, I want to just say one quick thing that I wish I, I would have mentioned before about that first birth. So because of the tear, just if anyone, um, I had, as a as a nurse, I mean, this is really so you can speak up for yourself when you're at the hospital. I didn't have an epidural. So if somebody would have put ice on me personally after my first birth, I would have like screamed. It would not have worked. But my midwives did, they used warm, a little bit of ice and then they would use warm towels. And it was something I didn't know um, as a nurse because in, in the hospital, you typically just put ice packs on. Do you mean during the birth or like during pushing or or afterwards? No, postpartum, after the birth. So just to care for your perineum and your vaginal area after the birth, um, to reduce the swelling and any pain, they, like a nurse will commonly put an ice pack on you, you know, for the first three days. But what I didn't realize, which was really, really beneficial, which I think would help a lot of women is my midwife created a herbal bath, which you can probably find it online or a sits bath, right? From herbs. And they put it in a crock pot, but you have to be very safe if you have toddlers or anything and they put it on warm. It's very hot. So you have to put it somewhere super safe. Don't do it unless you can. And they would put the herbs in the crock pot and then they cut up all these rags for me. And I would put a pad in my underwear and then I would put soak the the towel in the herbs, like in the hot water, and I would let it cool down. And then I would put it on top of the pad. And it felt so good postpartum to to heal that area. And I ha- I wouldn't have known that from nursing because in nursing, it's always like ice, 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 ice. And you do need ice to reduce the swelling, but later to help with the pain, that was super helpful. Yes. And I have a friend who's an acupuncturist and does like Eastern medicine um, work. And he's also a doula. And that's the thing within the Eastern medicine. It's you give birth and so much heat has left that you want to bring that heat back so and and he is better at at bringing blood to the area which causes faster healing right than if if you just put ice on it um so that makes sense but it isn't something that's not usually told usually there's there's even this and I have in the past been a proponent of it and not so much anymore of, you know, the padsicles. Are you familiar with the padsicles that you... Oh, no. What are those? Okay. So there's recipes all over the internet to do padsicles for postpartum, which is that idea of keeping, of having that ice program for days after much more than just immediate. Mm. So you take pads and you uh, put aloe vera juice and you can put some calendula as well um, and do some witch hazel without alcohol and then fold them and freeze them oh that's an awesome idea oh yeah for immediate but according to what you're saying and what i've heard from my acupuncturist friend um that you want to do that not long term like you don't want to be a week in or five days in still putting ice that heat would create better healing exactly and it was it i i mean i remember doing it i was like i've got to tell the whole world about this because i felt so guilty for i mean because I would felt so good. If somebody would have put ice on me, I mean, like, and kept it on, I really needed to be in control of it because 
it was, it's so tender and, and you're so tender in, in so many ways, emotionally, physically, everything, you know? And so that, but the, the warm pads after it just, it was something to look forward to. Like if you go to the, and also when you're doing a bowel movement, you can hold, you know, it's very scary and you should use a stool softener. If you're, if you had vaginal or a C-section, a stool softener will help, but also the holding of the perineum to make you feel safe because after having a baby, it felt like the baby, you know, it felt like anything could fall in through. Like I felt like, well, I just birthed this huge thing out of me. What if it, ha-? you know, I felt so unsafe almost. So having the the pads there to support my perineum just made, created almost a feeling of safety and comfort that I really wish other women could experience too. Mm, I had never looked at it that way. That's a great point, right? Not just physical comfort, but just feeling grounded. Yeah. yeah and the, and it's the warmness, which I'll talk about on my second postpartum experience, which was completely contrasting the first one, but the, it was the warmness that made it made me feel safe after giving birth. And there's a reason for that because it's related to the Ayurvedic medicine, which was in my second birth. All right. So let's get to that second birth. Let's talk about that, that contrasting experience, because this one you, you felt it was hard and you were surprised by how hard it was. You didn't expect that, right? Right. Yeah. So then what did you do differently going into the second one? So a little background, I had my baby and then we had about nine months later, I had one period because I breastfed obviously. And then I had one period and I was, I was pregnant again. And it was a shock, but I knew I was like, I, I, when the baby, I was so shocked, but I almost heard a voice of like, you know, me, I I'm supposed to come through. And then it was just like, oh, I'm so ready for this. Cause I, I, they were, I think they were supposed to come together. I, I swear to you, they were supposed to be twins and they just weren't. And so they came almost separately and, and that was great. And so I, I'm glad I did it. But the, you know, the postpartum with two kids is hard, but my post, I made this experience better in order to improve upon my last one. And I also had, I mean, just a little bit about my pregnancy and birth. So you have a background. So during this, um, I learned later, I started to study a lot of yoga and especially the Kundalini background. And so I learned that the later, 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 that the baby, according to the Kundalini background, the soul comes in at 120 days. Doesn't matter if you believe that or not, but it's kind of at four months when you start to feel more connected. I started to feel more connected and I started to meditate during this pregnancy. And I didn't, I had never meditated before, but I got up in the mornings and I would chant this specific meditation, which I loved and from the Kundalini background. And my husband's like, what are you doing? (laughs) But I just like, I had to, it was like the baby, I don't know what it was, but I would chant every single morning and I loved it and it changed my pregnancy. And then I started to get, you know, really into preparing for my postpartum because I didn't want to go through that again. So the meditation was making me feel just better. I mean, on so many levels. And then I started to study Ayurvedic medicine, just personally, not to help other clients or anything. But I really wanted to do an Ayurvedic postpartum experience. And I was living in Marin County. So I thought I moved from San Francisco to Marin, which is about 30 minutes outside the city. And I thought there would be a lot of practitioners postpartum that could help me and cook Ayurvedic food, but I really couldn't find any. So I found someone who just understood it and I just begged her to, to try it on me. And so she did. She set up a whole program of cooking me Ayurvedic food postpartum. And 
Have you ever heard of Ayurvedic food or, or do you know anything about this? I don't know enough. Tell me more about it for sure. Okay. So I, I'm not like, this is not, I don't have, this is just my, from my own research and my own study and helping people now with it. So there's three different types of, you can be a Vata, Pitta or Kapha. And and can you spell has, those? <laughs> what was that again? Can you spell those? Oh gosh, yeah. V-A-T-A, Vata. And that's kind of the air element. Pitta is P-I-T-T-A. And that's kind of the fire element. And then Kapha is just the wet kind of grounding, earthy element. And you can be a mix of these. So you'll naturally be one. And, and one of the best ways to balance these elements within you is through food. And there's different things that happen to you. You know, maybe you go through something like childbirth that will change your elements. And so after in the Ayurvedic world, after you have a baby, you have you become more vata. And vata is because your stomach is super expanded, obviously, and you are full of air. I don't know if you guys had, if anybody has a, been, had a postpartum yet, but you know, you have some gas and your stomach is digesting and you're just sort of, and you're, and you're thinking a lot, like your thoughts are going a lot, but that's all the vata element. And it makes a lot of sense because air is windy, you know, air is it's movement. It's, it's upwind. It's, and it also represents anger as far as I know in the Chinese um, background. So you want to, what's the word, I guess, calm the vata and go more into balance. And there's a certain diet you can eat. I mean, what, what did you eat postpartum? Do you remember what you eat? And we can contrast it with what I ate the second time. Oh, I don't remember what I ate 13 years ago, but it wasn't like at that point I wasn't even, I wasn't even vegetarian and I did dairy and I just did whatever, all the things. What was there? I just ate it. Right. And like even working in the hospital, like everyone's like sushi, champagne now or what, you know, like the whole family brings in pizza. And then that's what my family did too. They're like, great, we're going to cook you burgers. <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm doing an Ayurvedic postpartum experience. And I am so glad I did it. It was amazing. So I did the whole thing and I invested in my health. So in the Ayurvedic background, 40 years, okay, so 40 days postpartum equals, they say, equals 40 years of your health and well-being. And so what they believe in the yogic philosophy, which is what I followed, is that you keep the baby you keep the baby inside basically or very, very close to you, never separating from the baby by nine feet. And the reason for this, the not separating from the baby is that it binds the baby to you. It's a bonding thing, right? But it also um, creates a very, very stable first chakra or a very, very, makes the baby feel safe. And so that the baby knows that the world is safe. And so I did it differently. I didn't pass my baby around to everyone. I didn't uh, let a lot of people hold the baby, you know, like unless it was, you know, my somebody like a really close family member within the field, I ate this food. So let me describe the diet. So the first three days postpartum, it's just cooked rice with some sugar, with molasses um, and some spices and it's cooked for four to five hours. So it's basically like just really, really thick porridge. And it tasted, it sounds awful. It tasted amazing, amazing. And I had a lot of um, fennel and I can't remember the other time. I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you happen to know, but fennel in my tea. So I, I cooked a big thing of water on the side of my bed 
warm water with some fennel, which helps with the breastfeeding and the milk. I ate a lot of Indian spices and which helped with digestion, but I didn't eat anything raw. Um, like until my digestion system went, you know, became a little bit I must more advanced really. So it was really, really warm foods that are really easy to digest. And, and then eventually you can add in some cooked vegetables and really, really cooked things. But for the first six weeks, it's, and you move into that raw or hard to digest food. Mm-hmm. And do you have any resources for this where people, if they wanted to look into it? Oh, um, you know, I just, yeah. I, I think it just got published. It's 40 days postpartum. Um, that's one book I know. And then you can also look at my book, mystical motherhood, um, it's a step-by-step guide from birth, um, you know, c- conscious conception, birth, pregnancy, and then postpartum and early childhood, combining Eastern and Western philosophies. And it has some information on that one too. Cool. But, I definitely will link to it on the on the show notes. Yeah. So. But, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So this. So you do this for you said about six weeks when you start eating back to raw foods or back to normal or what is there anything that you do aside from the food oh yeah so i mean this is i i I wrote about this all in my book because it was something i had to go through and experience and study in order for other women to understand so i'm i'm going to talk mostly about like what the what the yogis believed from you know this is from the kundalini heritage and that's just that's what i studied um so beyond the food, beyond the cooking the food. So that's the first 40 days. You really want to keep the baby close to your chest. And I, and I, and I, and I mean, some moms, I mean, you naturally are going to do that, but in my first baby, it, I mean, I didn't do that as much. And I, I, I didn't really know to do that. Like I had the bouncer and I had the thing, but I, I didn't have a good, I didn't have a good um, postpartum carrier and I got the ergo the second time. And it changed everything. I got the infant or insert because the first time I had a carrier, but it didn't work with the baby and I didn't want to spend more money. But I, gosh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have just gotten the, the the right supplies. And the ergo with the infant insert really helped me postpartum. So I kept her really close to my chest and she had no issues. There was not the, any of the, no colic. She had no, um, I mean, the diet I ate really did well for her system too. My breast milk was so plentiful. It did turn a little yellow because I ate all the Indian herbs. Like you eat turmeric, you eat, um, I mean, it's yellow because the, some of the food you're eating is full of these really, I don't know on the top of my head, but it's all a mystical motherhood, but it's really, it, it, it just creates a lot of um, health within you. And it's, and it also, here's one benefit if you all are thinking about it, but I had gained, I gained 50 pounds for both babies which for me is a lot. I'm, I'm not that big of a, a woman. And, and I ate really healthy. It wasn't, I just gained that much. And, and I worked out and I did everything, but the second baby I ate. So you're primarily with the Ayurvedic diet, you're eating a lot of carbs and a lot of fat, carbs, fat, carbs, fat, because you're breastfeeding. I lost 15 pounds to 20 pounds faster postpartum and, and still had enough breast milk in a healthy way. And I was like, And I also loved myself. Like I, I was, what it did for me is I was calmer. 
I was able to just be with my baby and I knew that we were going to go through 40 days, you know, like period of time where I didn't go out and run errands. I turned my phone off a lot more. I read books. I had everything at my bedside table so that I didn't have to like do a lot of movement. And I just took really good care of myself. I used almond oil on my body. I wrapped my stomach so it didn't feel like my organs were falling out. And I gave my baby a lot of almond oil massages, which was really nice. Mm. And let's take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how you integrated that. You know, obviously it was making you feel really great and this connection bonding with your baby. How that change also your integration to in, in your mind as a new mom and also the people around you you know how did you navigate because taking 40 days sounds lovely and delicious but it's not something that can be a reality for everybody so it, it, it it's dissonant from what we're usually doing so i want to know more about that integration we'll be right back Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorn's roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar, and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. And we're back. So Chelsea, you're Hi. having hey, you're having this fantastic, fabulous 40 day, you know, baby moon, just eating good and eating well and, and being really close to your baby. Um, how was your mind doing at that point? Because a lot of people would say, I was going stir crazy. I couldn't like nine feet from my baby and nobody else is holding this. What? It's dissonant from... Yeah, totally crazy, right? How is this possible? How can you make this possible? So I how know. did you make it possible? And, and what, like, weren't you going stir crazy? What, what was different about your mind this time? I just, I planned it. And I got into a meditative mindset. So I, I really thought about what the, the belief system is. Okay, so I'm creating a baby, which is like, let's say, in business creating company. And if I can just not mess up that 40 days, you know, or the, or the pregnancy, like it's very short time in our lives. We get this and I know there's so much to do and, and, but you can, you can make some changes. Like maybe you don't, you don't have to go all out like this, but you can do some things postpartum that 
can prepare you to have a slower experience. So some things that I would like if I were going to help a mom prepare for postpartum, I would look at her finances first and I'd say like, how much money can you put out for your, because it's all about what we were talking about before. It's really about healing the mom. And, and it's a whole different paradigm, a whole different mindset. And then when the, so if you want, and it's, if you want to go back to work faster or you want to have health and well being faster, you want to lose the baby weight faster, you want to feel like, not like crap, <laughs> you have to set it up that you're taking care of, not just the baby. So it's really fun and, and to get the baby room ready and that all the family comes in town and all the things, but it's, it's got to be about you. And so, I mean, a little bit at least more than what we've created in our society, it feels like. But oh, so well, I, mom- I am a big proponent of Carrie Compte's, um I had her on the show and I'll link on the show notes, but she's, she says it's 51% you, 49% the baby. Oh, yeah, that's good. I don't know who she is. I'll have to look her up. Oh, she's fantastic. She's fabulous. So, yeah, I'll link it to the show notes. She does. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. It's 51% you, 49% the baby. Because, I mean, the baby's, I mean, you're going to feel like it's 110% the baby. You're going to be like, what are you talking about? But when it's like when you're on an airplane, when the baby's crying, it's probably the mom's energy. I mean, some not always, obviously, but it's sometimes the mom, that frantic energy of please stop crying, please stop crying is making the baby cry more. And so, and that was my experience. Like my second baby was so calm. And it's, I don't think it was, I don't, I think it was real. I, I don't think it was a temperament. I really think it was the way I set it up. So for me, what, what I, what I'd recommend if you could do, if you could create any sort of even a little meditation practice that can really, really help. Um, that's one thing Two, you can look at how much you can spend postpartum. So you could have maybe one meal delivered a week that's fault. So there's cookbooks out there that, that show you Ayurvedic and you can eat, or you can have someone in your family cook the Ayurvedic food or even just anything that's warm and soupy. So if you don't do Ayurvedic, you could do, just do things that are easy to digest. That's easier than something like pizza or something that, you know, like a big salad. Those kind of things are raw and harder for your body to to digest because all your organs have to get back into their position. So that would be helpful. You could create um, the food beforehand. So you can freeze like um, – Kitchery is an Indian food, but you can freeze that ahead of time. You can buy the supplies for the soft foods. Like you could do oatmeal um, if you don't want to do rice. You could do, I mean, do you have any ideas? Like something like that. Just if you don't want to do it the Ayurvedic way, it's just soft and easy to digest food for at least, you know, 20 days. Do you have any ideas for that? I mean, like good soups, right? Well, and, and yeah, and soups and teas and, and just n- think about nourishing yeah. and gentle nourishing, considering that your stomach is, that digestion system has to readjust for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, and not, not just that, like you have to nourish your hormones, you have to nourish your blood, you have to, which all of that create, went through massive changes during pregnancy. Um, so obviously nourishing yourself, food is, food is medicine. So nourishing yourself is going to help with making you feel better. I would also like, I'm a big proponent of prioritizing the sleep as well. Oh, definitely. Like sleep when the baby sleeps, 
for me, I like, again, I kept the baby close to me in the bed, but this baby was different. She needed her distance. So, you know, it was like my first baby wanted to be very close, but this baby, just like you were saying, everybody, baby's different. And I was surprised she needed to be a little bit further and she slept better, but you know, like I could, I could leave her in a crib sleeping and she would have been okay. So it's just prioritizing sleep, feeding on demand, but then, you know, creating a schedule when needed, um, as the baby grows, when it's appropriate, um, introducing a bottle at the right time so that you have some freedom. I think a lot of moms are like, well, I don't want to give the bottle cause then they'll get attached to the bottle. In my experience, it's in my book, mystical motherhood, but I, I can't remember the exact date, but you want to introduce a bottle just so you, if you are ready for that and with your breast milk or whatever, what you choose, but so that you have a little bit of freedom once you're, you know, able to go out and do a lot of things. I mean, do you, do you agree with me with that? Just so, cause I have a lot of friends at least that if they didn't introduce the bottle and they have to go back to work, there's, it's a, it's a panic situation for two weeks cause the baby sometimes won't take it. It is a little bit of a panic situation, but I think you can get, I think what you said before about the baby and you, the baby responding to your energy, that is very true. And we know, all know this. If we're all sitting around and somebody walks up to our room with like this really angry energy or frowny like cloud above them, so their, their heads, that's gonna, we pick up on it. So you have a baby who is completely whose sole goal is to survive and in order to survive they have to make sure you hear and respond and so because of that they are so attuned like all they can do is be attuned to what's going on around them with you and what how you how their actions create a reaction in you so somebody who's that attuned to you if you're feeling anxious they're gonna pick up on it and I think that's the same idea when you're introducing a bottle or whenever some or, or I see it also when you start taking kids to daycare, if you're doing that right of your anxious energy. Are you going to be OK? I don't want to leave you. I you know, are you going to take a bottle? You're not taking a bottle. You know what? Kids are super resilient. That child might protest because they want the the most yummy thing which is you and your breasts. Your, the bottle is not giving you them what you give them. But they're also not, not going to starve, right? I mean... No, they will not starve. They'll take right. the bottle They'll take I the promise. bottle I eventually. I tell my friends this. Yeah. They're going to take it. Yeah. So I think it's that. It's like trusting that your child will not starve. You are, and you're not being a bad parent by creating some distance between them and you at some point when you need it because again no you're not you're being a healthy mom yeah. be a little selfish yes yeah you have you need to be a little i mean and back to like i remember right, right before the break there's two things i want to talk about because i really wish i would have known this so bad i want to let everybody know so i want to answer your first question before the break you asked like how can you know i, I remember it was about how do you balance like getting back into or become, you know, going back into your career or how do you do these 40 days and actually survive in the world, right? I want to get into that. But before that, the sensitivity of the baby, like we were, you were just speaking about, um, there's something called the sound, um, 
like a sound container around the, this is a yogic belief system and it makes a lot of sense to me. And it's a sound, like a sound, the baby, if you imagine the baby after it's born, it's incredibly sensitive. It's just come from whatever realm. And this, it, the, the sounds around the baby are really, really important to think about. And I didn't know this on my first baby. So I would, you know, if the TV was loud or something was, it was, it's upsetting. So you really want to pay attention to the types of sounds that are around your child. And something that's really cool and a good idea is to play soft music after the postpartum, um, or to play soft mantras for the babies. And if you don't know what a mantra is like some good albums, you can Google, um, Kundalini mantras. You can Google white sun is a really beautiful album. There's, um, Sonata I don't know how to spell it, but just, you know, even like Jewel has a baby album and that soft music will, it just sort of sensitizes the baby to the world in a really cool way. And I didn't know that the first time. And the second time I tried it and it just made the whole environment really calm. Yeah. And I think I really appreciate the principles behind all of this. And I think if people look at the principles and figure out how to adapt it to their lives, because they may, like you were saying with the food, they may not have you know somebody who's going to cook ayurvedic food for them but they can then go okay it's warm and soft and mushy yeah. warm, warm and soft, soft and mushy right soft sound. and then it's like it's like take the principles of all this stuff and make it work for you nine feet it just means don't let everybody i mean that would just mean don't let 20 family members come over and pass the baby around if you're not comfortable with it that's one principle another warm soft food make it easy to digest rest more and sleep with the baby, you know, sleep when the baby sleeps, super important. And then, you know, sounds just think, well, I'm sensitive right now too. like, what does the baby feel? So just think about the environment. Like, is, is everybody yelling and screaming and shouting or, you know, like, is, is it a loud TV? Um, is it warm outside? Maybe you, when, you know, like maybe you hear the sounds of the birds more. It's just kind of getting into that soft presence as much as you can when that baby's first born. That's the best like experience that can improve your postpartum a lot more, even if you don't take any of the things from Mystical Motherhood, the book or whatever I'm telling you now. Mm -hmm. And it's that slower experience that you were mentioning before, because the baby moves at a very slow rate. So however you can make your experience slower. Right. But then you also, so back to getting into, you know, 51% the mom, 49% the baby, right? So we're all, you know, how do we balance our own? I mean, that was, so this is all the, just the taking care of the baby immediate postpartum, but then you got to go back to work or you want to go back to work or you can't go back to work because who's going to watch the babies or all of these things that come up and our desire to do so much. Oh my gosh, I felt it. And it, it is, I'm still feeling it. You guys, it is, it is, I mean, and any mom, it's like, you don't go to work. I mean, I didn't go back to work because I couldn't have gone back to working nights as, as a nurse at the time. So in my second birth, I went on to get, become a family nurse practitioner. And I actually continued doing that from my bed. They, I taught my, my professors allowed me to do the work, you know, a, a slower away while doing the post being postpartum. So I was still almost like doing work, but I was just writing in my bed and I was able to manage it. But if I couldn't have, they would have said no. And then when appropriate, I went back to school to finish the nurse practitioner degree with my second baby. But it is such, I mean, if you're not working, you're going to feel guilty. Like you should be working, you know, that you're not doing enough. That's a huge thing for moms. And then if you are working, it's, it's, 
the the guilt of not being home with your baby is it's just crazy the amount of shame and guilt women feel and it's almost like you need to make a plan stick with it and be like this is my decision my kid's going to be awesome I mean, do you agree with that? Well, and I think, you know, be damned what anybody thinks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's um, more about what you're go- – I mean, for me, my thing and my friends or, you know, my clients I work with, it's like it's like your – it's your perception of what you think everyone's thinking and – or the guilt you like was – you know, or what you, you think you need to create or like you think you need to create so – at least I do. Like I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to work here. I want to – you know, I want to see all these things. But you just have to be okay with it's going to take some time to adjust. Well, and, and that that guilt can be a powerful beast. But I find that if you, like you said, make a plan ahead of time and go like, okay, I am going to go back to work. And when I go, when I'm at work, I am going to be present and mindful of being at work and really appreciate my time at work. And then when I go back home, I am going to leave work at work and be really mindful and present with my experience with baby. Because what I find is it's often, and this happens to all of us, where you're with the baby and you're like guilty about work. And then you're with the work and you're guilty about not being with the baby. And then you're you're not present at any point in any place. No. And it's, that is, then, then it's not 51% mom at all. <laughs> you know, then it's, then it's just like complete scattered and, and the feeling of that, I mean, cause I, after the first baby, I felt that guilt. Like I didn't go back to work because I got pregnant again in nine months and I, and I couldn't do the, the night shift. So I, I knew I wanted to do something more. So I did the nurse practitioner because it was a perfect intermediary until I had the postpartum after my next baby. So, but I created a plan the second time and that made all the difference. I think that's the best thing, you know, and if you're, if it's your first baby or your third baby or your fifth baby, it's like creating a plan of like, oh, I'll do this for two months even. And then it, the plan doesn't have to be like anybody else's plan, but it has to be so that you feel like there's some balance in your life and you're also getting your needs, needs met so that you can to- meet all the needs of your family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I am a huge proponent of the postpartum plan, as all my listeners know, and because I have one. Um, now, the the second part of my question was, how did you integrate this practice with visitors, helpers? Like, how do how does building your village mesh with this practice? Okay. So that's a great question. So one thing you can do is you can set up a meal train and you, and you like, don't you, if you're in a, like I had just moved to Marin and so I didn't have as many friends there and, and you know, my friends in the city is like driving out to the Marin. Do they, how do they send you meals? You've got to set it up in a way of like, you've got to think if you start to switch your mind frame of like, all of us are so independent and you've got, you've got to be okay with accepting help. And not feeling like you don't deserve it or, it, you know, you have to give it back. It's like you're giving back to the earth or to the environment by pre- creating this child. So set up a meal train and let people share it. And even like I, I would afterwards, I would make people for my community, I would make tons of women I did not know their meals. And it's almost like you could even start doing that right now. Like say you're, you know, you're at home right now and you're about to have a baby and you or you want to do something for a volunteer work. That's a great way to create community is creating a meal train. Do, I mean, do you, I think it's a, 
amazing opportunity to serve other women is a meal train. Yeah, and I am going to link on the show notes to an episode I have with, and I, uh, I, her name just went out of my mind, but it's um, Seven Sisters for Seven Days, um, and it's about setting up your postpartum support where yeah. you have like seven people that each take care of you one day for a certain amount of hours, whatever you schedule it ahead of time, and you guys rotate when each other get pregnant. And th there's a less of a burden because each person's only committing to a couple of hours or a meal or whatever a week, but you are getting covered for all seven days. That's a great idea. And another thing that reminds me of like what other mothers did in my community. So let's say you can't afford childcare um, or you or you need to balance it out. Or you, even some moms can't afford it, but they feel guilty. There's all kinds of issues around, you know, like any, whatever it is. So you can, after your baby's a little older, when you feel comfortable doing this, um, you can trade with moms and create it like what there was in one mom's group I was in. So it, you, you joined that part of the club where you like, you'd say there's 20 people on the list and every hour you babysit, you got points. I think they did it like that. And so they, and they did it all for different reasons. Some of them didn't want to leave their children with anyone else. Some of them, um, didn't have the finances. Some of them just really enjoyed it. So you would switch, you would take your kids to their house, or then when you ain't earned enough points, you would um, then receive the childcare. So if you need to go to the grocery store, you had a doctor's appointment, you could take your kids over there. And that's a really good way to get the community and the tribe together and make a lot of friends and get to know their kids. And so then they have play dates. So it creates, if you're, especially if you're a stay at home mom, that's a really good way to make friends, I think. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. So how did this different preparation for postpartum change your experience? Like, how did this make you feel? How did it transform you, Chelsea? Oh, I'm in a completely different person because I, I ended up writing the book Mystical Motherhood about all of this and taking, you know, Western and Eastern medicine and different parts of, you know, what I learned in the hospital and what I've learned in the clinics while working with women, you know, in prenatal care and then the yogic philosophies and it's really about the, it's not just about the postpartum. It's just about motherhood is for me and many women, it was a spiritual journey and it, and you change so much and the baby changes you so much and it brings gifts and, you know, gifts and, and lessons to the family. So for me, it's all about like, I wish more, I'm going to start even from the beginning, Planning for the conceptions is just, you know, just as important almost as planning for the birth if you have a chance. Um, talking to your baby in the pregnancy. So I really wish I would have done that too. I mean, it's kind of going backwards, but it's all important because it almost prepares you for the postpartum. So I wish I would have known to talk to my baby um, during pregnancy because I believe, and they're proving now, science is proving that that, you know, DNA is programmable. And so your thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and diet create optimal DNA and benefits within your body. So why wouldn't it make sense to think about, you know, all the thoughts you're thinking, all the emotions you're feeling, your environment while you're pregnant, and really get conversations going with your baby. So that would be like, not just, you know, playing music to the tummy, but like actually saying, I really wish I would have done this. Or I mean, this is what I never did this, but I, I learned this by writing a mystical motherhood, but you, you want to really like say to the baby, 
um, we're, we're talking to uncle Joe now we're at uncle Joe's house and this is the grocery store. And this is what mom and dad do at night. We eat dinner. And it's like, you are creating a bonded relationship with the baby before the baby comes and before you go into postpartum so that you're more prepared for postpartum and like the presence of the baby and, um, and the baby actually gets the bonding experience if, you know, if you believe it's completely conscious in, in you, which I do. And then for the postpartum experience, for the, for the birth, plan your birth as much as you can, but don't go, don't get sad if it doesn't end up the way you want it to. Because as an, as a labor and delivery nurse, I know a lot of women have a lot of ideas of what, you know, their birth should be and in whatever way your baby comes out, as long as it's safe, that's the way it's supposed to happen. And if you had a traumatic birth, um, this is really important postpartum. I know this as a practitioner, you should heal that. Or if you, you know, this is a side note, if you've had any sexual abuse or any trauma that's unhealed, it can come up postpartum and in the birth. So you really want to work with all those um, internal things before you, I mean, do you agree before you have a baby, you kind of want to work through those or they'll come out in motherhood. Well, it is a very much of a mind body experience. And, and also we, store memories in our body so things can be triggering just be just trying to work ahead of time through any trauma that you might experience but even then being prepared that during birth you might have your plan and things might get triggered that will cause you to, to just put that, you know, like switch tax and change your mind. And that's totally, totally fine. And I always go back to Penny Simpkins um, message of she has a perfectly good reason. I don't need to know what it is. But if she's doing this during birth, she has a perfectly good reason to be asking for whatever she's doing and honor that. And in terms of like, I want to interject a little bit on the like, as long as your baby is healthy, and you're healthy, that's okay. Because right, we go. need to understand that that's not enough. And that, that's true. that is, it can create trauma for later. And then you're you're going into postpartum with trauma and not being able to be mindfully present and connect with your baby because you are rehashing and reliving and, and you know, stuck in this experience. So what research does show is that, so many moms are reporting that th- their birth as traumatic not necessarily diagnosed, you know, traumatic experience, but reporting it as a traumatic experience. Um, But they say it's not the act of giving birth that is causing this trauma is how they were treated or what was done to them. So switching that around and preparing and taking ownership and advocating for yourself and making sure you speak up. And if you're having red flags from your provider and your care team, switch it up. Yes, yes, please switch it. Don't ever stay. I yes, agree with you totally. Yeah, yeah, because I yeah I do get that that everybody's focused on healthy mom and healthy baby, but healthy mom is more than just her physicality during the event of giving birth. And I'd love to like just as so as a labor and delivery nurse, I experienced and saw so many things. And this is going back to birth, but it's so important for the postpartum experiences. So. For example, I'm not going to go into any, just, I'm going to be very slim on details. Um, but one birth I was in, uh, the mom had been raped or had sexual abuse and she had blocked it out of her system. But, um, she was screaming cause the PTSD and the memory of the event came up during the birth. 
I mean, completely, it was, it was, she had a complete memory of this birth coming of the, of the rape that she hadn't even almost, um, it hadn't even gone through, she hadn't even subconsciously understood that it had occurred. And, and so when I was an, as a labor and delivery nurse, it really wasn't on the form or anything, but I would always ask the partner to leave the room. And so I could get them to know the mom alone. Cause I got very close to my client or my patients. And I wanted to really have them have a good experience. And I always asked them, have you had any sexual trauma, any physical trauma? Do you feel safe with your partner? Is there anything that you need to work out right now? I mean, some women like it needs to almost, even if somebody just reaches out and asks you that, or you need to talk to your mom about it, if you haven't, you know, it needs to be healed and looked at because if a woman has had any of that type of trauma, the, there's, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, a scientific fact for this, but there was a higher chance. Like we would note it as nurses and we would say this woman's been sexually abused because the cervix won't open as easily because that part of your body is traumatized and it has, it holds the memories. So going into that and like healing it, at least finding someone who can help you to do that would, is a great idea. And also if you had a traumatic birth, I completely agree with what you're saying. I should have never really said happy birth, happy baby, because it's not what I believe actually. And, it, it, but I want to interject because it's like, culturally we absorb these things and especially know, being and in I'm the labor and delivery it's thing, but it's not right. true and i completely agree with yeah, you yeah no and, and feel these things and i'm glad we stopped to to look at it because that that's what happens with our how that's how we change cultural beliefs right like i know that i was surprised when you said it because i was like i don't know if she really believes this let's talk I don't about this it. I, I but just didn't know to, it was sorry. it was like I you're like everyone listening it is not true and that's uh you know from what I've created mystical motherhood, it is not what I believe. And it's what I try to heal with women because now my work. So since doing all of this and since going through these experiences and seeing so many types of birth and, um, and all the, you know, the trauma or the, it's like, I really wish a few things like I wish I would have known now that looking back on the postpartum in between babies, I really wish I would have, um, boosted my nutrients. I think I said that before, but there's a book called, uh, by, by Shanahan It's the last name. I can't remember the name of the top of my head, but she really looked into how tribes used to birth in between babies. And she found that, you know, that the tribes would, you know, separate their baby by three to four years because they found that if they had them too close to, together, the next baby would be sicker because the nutrient levels of the mom postpartum weren't replenished because she's breastfeeding and she's giving and she's giving and she's giving. So I didn't know that I, and I had my, I mean, I obviously I got, I got pregnant quickly, but I wish I would have really looked at my diet and really boosted it with some super, super healthy foods, even more than I did. Mm, yeah. And you didn't have much time in between at all. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, very cool. So Chelsea, if people want to connect with you and check out your book or learn more about you, where can they do that? So everything's at mysticalmotherhood.com. Um, the book is available on Amazon. It takes you step by step through conscious conception, pregnancy or fertility, enhancing your fertility, birth, or pregnancy, birth, postpartum and the early childhood with my background in Western and Eastern medicine and a lot of unpublished information on ancient yogic ways of bringing down a child. So, and now I work with women and I help them clear their generational patterns and I help them to 
increase their fertility and become prepared for motherhood because the 5149 is very important in, in learning how to balance career and diet and thoughts and emotions and so that they can be the best mother and create magical enlightened children and mm. it's my passion awesome love it so yeah people will get there if they feel this episode resonated with them yeah thank, totally. yeah thank you so so much for for coming on the show and sharing today yeah and if anyone has any questions Ask them, and I really hope this benefited you because it's so important for your family, and I really enjoyed being here, so thank you for having me. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much Birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.